Our body of believers. Today we are back in the Sermon on the Mount. You know, we've been here for about, I was looking, I started like in May of last year, somewhere around there. So we've been in the Sermon on the Mount for over a year. Yeah, that's something, right? <laughs> Same place. This has been, it's been so good though, this Word of God. So we're going to pick up where we left off last week. We're going to look at verses, uh, we're in Matthew chapter 7. And we're going to look at verses 7 through 11. 7 through 11. It's not too many verses. This is the Lord teaching on prayer again. Matthew chapter 7. I'm going to let you guys figure out the title later because I don't, I don't got one right now. Yeah. So I'll, uh, I'll read a couple of verses and then we'll come back and, and look at them. The word of God reads Matthew chapter 7, Sermon on the Mount, on the Mount, chapter 7, verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, when his son asks for a loaf, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he not give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more your father, who is in heaven, give what is good to those who ask him? Amen. The word of God for the people of God. So we see that here today, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, he's bringing us back to the topic of prayer, right? We've already been there before in the Sermon on the Mount. In chapter 6, verse 5 to 6, for example, he showed us, or he talked to us, or made our hearts aware of what we should be thinking when we go to the Lord in prayer. To make sure that we're not bringing attention to ourselves. So he talks about praying and not being like the hypocrite. Remember he says that? And he teaches us that when we pray in public, it ought to be as if we're still in private. If you guys remember that discussion, that when we pray, we are praying with an audience of one. We're not praying to bring attention to ourselves. We're not saying these great words so people can think, oh, how great and how spiritual I am. But no, when we pray, it's this private, intimate thing that we are now communicating with the Father. And so Jesus teaches us the, the correct posture, if you will, when it comes to prayer there in Matthew chapter 6, verses uh, 5 and 6. So he gives us the posture of, of prayer, if you will. And then in verses 7 and 8, Jesus teaches us not to mimic the culture, not to mimic the culture around us when it comes to prayer. And he gave the, gave us the example of the, the Gentile who uses this meaningless repetition, thinking that if I just say all of these words over and over and over, that that is going to get the ear of God. Let me just say these words over and over and over. And so Jesus teaches us that we have to be aware of culture and culture's influence on our prayer life to God and that we cannot just copy culture because culture is doing something. And it's not just culture in the world that we have to worry about, but it's also culture in the body. Because even in the body of Christ, there's trends that's always coming here and there. There's different prayer trends. There are different uh, uh, church uh, church growth trends. There's, there's always these different trends here or there. 
But Jesus reminds us we got to stick to the word. So we have to be aware of the different influences that may come upon us when it comes to prayer that we don't get influenced by the culture. And then next, our Lord teaches us the priorities in prayer. And that's in the model prayer, right? Chapter 6, verses 9 through 13, he, he gives us the priorities of prayer and how our prayer requests should be. And remember, he, he teaches us that our first three requests, our first three petitions are what? All about God. Remember, hallowed be your name. That is the first petition. He shows us that is the priority of our prayer. Hallowed be thy name. Then what else does he teach us? Um, your kingdom come. Your will be done. He, he's showing us that this is the priority of prayer. And even when you look at these three petitions, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. These three petitions are really all saying the same thing. They can be summarized by saying, our, our Jesus is teaching us to, to pray for God's rule and reign over the hearts of people in this earth. So Jesus is showing us that that has to be your top priority. Yes, we can go to the Lord for bread, but we see that bread was number four. It was later on down the line that we begin to pray for our needs, but he's telling us that the priority should be in God's kingdom. His kingdom come, his will be done, his name being hallowed. So Christ has already shown us before we even get to chapter 7 that prayer is so vital. It is so vital to the believer's life. It is the oxygen you seen what happened last week. We're praying for Layla. We see how God is moving in her life. And when we're praying for individuals, we see how God is changing. God is hearing. God is moving through prayer. So prayer, my brothers and sisters, don't just see this as this light little thing of something I'm just uttering up. But this is now you communing with the Lord. You are now communing with God. So Christ has shown us in sixth. He gives us the posture of prayer, humility, focusing on God, an audience of one. In the model, he shows us to watch out for the culture. And he gives us the priorities of our prayer request. And now we come to chapter 7. And in 7, he's going to show us something else. He's going to show us the persistency of prayer. The persistency of prayer, how we have to be in our prayer life. He's given us the other things, but now he's going to show us the persistency of prayer. And so as you see in verse seven and in the first couple of verses, it starts with ask, seek, and knock. All of these are verbs. Ask, seek, and knock. And I think about it, they're not just verbs, but they are verbs that are written as, they're written as a, uh, they are written in the present as a present imperative. So what that means is another way you can read this verse, because it's written as a, a, a present imperative, would be like this. Keep asking and it will be given to you. Keep seeking and you will find. Keep knocking and it will be opened up to you. See, it is, these are imperatives. These are present imperative, meaning that Jesus is saying you ought to habitually, you ought to continually do this. 
He's saying this asking, seeking, it's not going to, it's not like I'm going to just go and utter up prayers just every now and then or every once in a while. But no, Jesus is teaching us that you ought to habitually, continually, always be seeking and without, and seeking and knocking. And it's like Jesus is trying to show us with these three verbs. He, he's trying to show us that I don't want you to give up in your prayers. I don't want you to throw in the towel. I want you to stay there. Make this your only avenue. Make this your only means. And he, and as he shows us these three, these three different verbs, if you notice, he's increasing the intensity of each one because he starts with a, with an ask, right? He says, go ahead and ask. And then he moves with seek, and now you're actually moving it, and you're going forward. And then he ends with the most intense one, and he says to knock. Knocking involves asking and seeking. When somebody's constantly knocking at your door, I mean, they are, they are serious. They are intense. It is something that they need, and they believe that you got it, or it's something that you have that they want. So Jesus shows us here that when it comes to prayer, my brothers and sisters, we cannot throw in a towel. We can't utter up a little prayer and say, well, it didn't happen and I'm done. No, Jesus is teaching us as believers, as followers of him, we have to be intense. We have to be persistent in our prayer. I mean, just look at the intensity of our Lord in the garden when it says that he's sweating like drops of blood because prayer is his means. Prayer is what he's doing to reach the Father. Prayer is what he's using to face the thing he's going to go through. And so he's consistently going before the Father. See, our Lord is going before the Father with this major intensity, a persistence. And that's what Christ is showing us here when it comes to prayer, that our prayer must be serious. It must be persistent and with a measure of intensity. And there's another place where we find the intensity and all three of these characteristics of knocking and seeking in prayer in the scriptures. And that is in Luke 11. We know this. My Bible scholars know this. Turn with me to Luke 11, where Jesus is again teaching on prayer. And he's given a similar account. Some would say it's a parallel account, but it's, I wouldn't say it's a parallel because there's some, there's some differences here that you can make. But in Luke 11, Jesus has the disciples. He's going over the model prayer with them. And then he goes in chapter five to kind of um, put the nail in the in, in the coffin, they would say, or, or to put a, to to really get what he's getting at. He, he's going to go and give them an illustration to see the the seriousness, the intensity, the persistence of prayer in the prayer that he just taught. Look at what he says here in Luke eleven verses five through eight. He says, "Then he said to them." Suppose one of you had has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has come to me from a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And from inside, he answers and says, do not bother me. The door has already been shut and my children and I are in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. Verse eight. I tell you, even though he would not get up and give him anything because because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs because of his persistence. See, what I was taught growing up is that 
there were certain times when you could go to somebody's house. And I grew up in the landline era, right? When you had a phone on the landline. And my mama told me there were certain times you couldn't call a person's house before a certain time. I forget what time that was. <laughs> I think she was like, it was like, if it's a work day, 8 o'clock, but the weekend, I think it was like 11. And so it was like, you cannot call anybody's house at this time. And when it comes to going to people's house, she was still teaching me that you cannot go to somebody's house past this time. I think it was like 9 o'clock. You can't go and knock on the door. But what we see with this man here is that he forgets all of the formalities. He forgets politeness. He, he, he forgets the things that, okay, it's too late. What, what this man is showing, he's showing us his, his desperation in wanting to feed his friend. That He doesn't care if it's midnight. He doesn't care if people are asleep. He has a need. He has something. And he's going to his neighbor because he believes his neighbor has what he needs. And Jesus is now telling us what our prayer, our prayer has to be like this man. It, he's, he's showing us that it has to be this, this, this desperation, this, this forgetfulness of formalities and politeness but that we can go to the father with whatever that's why he uses midnight midnight means i can go to my lord anytime without formalities why because now through jesus christ i am a son and i can go and approach the king with any of my needs without all of the formalities with all of the policies any of those different things he's showing us that you can just go to the father you can just go to god in prayer I think about Esther. Do you remember how, how Esther, when she would go to the king, right? Remember, she was preparing herself to go to the king. And you, back in those days, you couldn't just approach the king unless you were invited. Remember, because you just, if you went towards the king and you approached him without being invited, that can be your head. Why? Because this was the king. And we know that not just from Esther, but we know that historically as well throughout history, it tells us that when people would approach the king and some, in some kingdoms, you would have to walk on all four knees as you approach the king. And when you approach the king, you had the formalities of that you would have to bow your head as you go and approach the king. But what Jesus is teaching us that this is not so with you. See, when we approach the king now as believers, we're not approaching as enemies. We're not approaching as regular little paupers, but we are now approaching the throne as sons and daughters of God. We are now approaching the throne as heirs, and because we are heirs and sons and daughters of God, we can go to our Lord with any request, and, and we can go in, in any, we don't have to come with those formalities that you would come with, with, with bowing your head or crying, but now because I am a son, because now I am an heir of the throne, with Jesus Christ because he has now made me a son and daughter of God I can go to my father as a son and a daughter see that changes the relationship in our prayer we're not just approaching as just regular people we're now approaching God as sons and daughters it changes the relationships so now we can go to our Lord which is our heart we can pour out as sons and daughters of God to our Lord, the request, the things that are on our heart. We can crowd in those desperate prayers to our Father, knowing that He hears us. As I think about this, I think about me and Pastor Brian, we were reading, uh, back in the days, we were reading the T for T book. You remember the T for T book? Trainers for Trainers. It's a book about evangelism. And I remember this, this one place in that book where where they talked about these these house churches basically these little gatherings and the guy said that the people they would gather together and they would just cry out to the lord with desperate prayers 
They were just cry out to the Lord, asking him to do something, asking him to move. They're not worried about what people think. They're just crying out to the Lord. They're forgetting about the polite things and the formalities, but they're just crying out to the Lord. And believers, that has to be us as well. You can do that. This is your father you're approaching. This, this, is, this is your father. You can go and you can cry out. You can cry out in this desperation of knocking and asking and seeking. I, I think about one of the things, as you guys know, I, I grew up in, in the black church. And one of the things that they do that's related to the scripture here is they have something called a prayer visual, an all-night prayer visual. And what you would do, you would go and you would show up to church at 6 p.m. And you would spend from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. praying, worshiping, singing, some people fasting. And just intense prayer, just a constant knocking on the kingdom of God, a constant knocking on the throne, asking God to go and change my neighborhood. God, get rid of the drug dealers. God, bring families together. God, bring marriages together. They would spend all night just knocking and knocking on the throne of God with an intensity, knowing that God can hear them. See, that is what Christ is saying that we can do. And God hears. They were praying with an intensity of knocking a persistence and that is what we have to do my brothers and sisters sometimes in this life your prayer is going to have to go from asking to seeking to knocking it's not just going to be praying but now I'm going to be praying with fasting it's not just I'm going to be praying with fasting but I'm going to be separating myself for a weekend just to get closer to the Lord see it has to be an intense knocking and seeking of our Lord when it comes to prayer intensity consistent prayer we pray we ask we seek and we knock there's a, a brother in history who uh, i believe who did this really well it's the uh, brother james who wrote the book of james some of you guys know some of you biblical scholars that james had a nickname his nickname was the man with the camel knees the reason his name was the man with the camel knees because Tradition has it that he prayed so much that his knees began to get callous and it was like a camel. That's the intensity, that's the consistency that our Lord has called us to. He wants us to pray. So that's why Jesus has given us three verbs telling us to do this. Praying, fasting, consistency, knocking at the door. Going to our Lord, believing that the one who I'm knocking at the door, the one that I'm asking is able to bring about what I am requesting. Now here's the thing about this text, our main text. It's easy to look at our main text. It's easy to take this verse and say, okay, I get it. Jesus says, if I really want something, I really have to be consistent and constantly knocking and constantly having, asking and never give up. So, okay, if I want this house, if I want this car, then I mean, I just got to be consistent and just just going forward and doing it. And that's what many people in the prosperity gospel, they take verses like this and they go and apply it to any place in their lives. But brothers and sisters, we can't do that. You have to understand this verse in the context of where it's at. 
And in the context of where it's at, it is in the Sermon on the Mount. And the main theme that is running through the Sermon on the Mount is God's kingdom and the righteousness of the kingdom of God. So when it comes to our asking, our seeking, our knocking, the priority, as our Lord has already shown us in the model prayer where he gives us the first three petitions, is God's kingdom. And as he has already shown us in Matthew 6.33, where he says to seek ye first the kingdom of God, the priority of our asking, of our seeking, of our knocking has to be the things concerning God, his kingdom, and his righteousness. This is not a verse that you can just use and say anything I want now, I'm just going to persistently do. No, in the context of this, it is the righteousness of God that we are seeking and praying. It is the kingdom of God that we are constantly asking for God to bring upon in my life, in my family's life, and throughout the world. That is the theme that is running throughout this sermon. And so that is the place and that is how we interpret and understand this verse. We, we, we can't just make it however we want. We can't just use this and say anything I want to pray about. I'm just going to do it this way. It's going to happen. Jesus is talking about this whole sermon, the kingdom of God, the righteousness of the kingdom of God. See, look, we don't need, look, we don't need a scripture. Guess what? For something we really want, we don't need a scripture to constantly tell us to ask for it because we're going to do that naturally. That, that's the truth. You're going to do that naturally. If you want a job, you're going to constantly be praying and asking God for a job, and you're going to be praying with the intensity of knocking. If, if you really want a spouse, a wife, or a husband, you're going to constantly do that anyways. If you want your business to go well, you're going to constantly go on at God anyways. If, you, if you're praying for children, you don't have children, you're going to constantly be asking God. See, when it comes to things that are a direct benefit for us, we always go with the intensity of constantly knocking and asking and seeking, but not so with the things of God, not so with the righteousness of the kingdom of God. And that is what Jesus is showing. It is not our needs that we're constantly seeking and praying about, but it is the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We're already naturally going to do those other things for ourselves. It's the righteousness of the kingdom. That is the thing that we have to constantly do. That's the thing that we have to be conscious about. Am I praying and thinking about that? So, so, so ask yourself, when is the last time have you prayed and fast to be merciful and meek? We prayed and fast for a lot of other things, but when have you prayed and fast for the things that Jesus says that people who ought to enter in the kingdom of God should have? The meek, merciful, these are characteristics of people who will enter the kingdom of God. These are the things that they should obtain. Do you pray and fast about that? Do you constantly pray and knock at the door of heaven, God, to help me to get a merciful heart, to be more kind and compassionate? Because your word says these are the characteristics of the kingdom of God or people who are going to enter into the kingdom. See, these are the things that we have to be seeking and knocking and asking. This is where our seeking and our knocking and asking starts. Yes, it's okay to ask God for those other things, but the priority of our prayer has to be the righteousness of the kingdom of God. It has to be the kingdom of God come. That has to be it. And that's why Jesus, he shows us this here in this context of the Sermon on the Mount. Now, I, I want you to imagine this. Imagine you are walking with Jesus, literally walking with Jesus. Just like they would do in the first century, Jesus will be out front, the rabbi is walking, 
and all of his disciples, remember his Talmids, they would be following behind him. And all of his dust would be catching upon him as they followed the Lord. Remember those dusty roads, they're walking. You're with Jesus as he's on a sermon on the mountain. You're, you're hearing the prayer. You're hearing the teachings about the kingdom of God. You're hearing the righteousness of the kingdom of God. And you're up there with Jesus. And imagine as Jesus descending the mountain, you come down. And the first thing you start praying about is the land you want to buy. Or the ox you want to buy. Or the cloak or the clothing you want to buy. You would be like, didn't you just hear what he just preached about? He just was talking about the kingdom of God, the, the difficulty of it, the, the, the turning the other cheek, the loving your enemies, the, the being merciful, and, and how only the righteousness of the kingdom of God, and you're here coming down following Jesus, thinking about land and oxen and clothing? See, that is the same thing, my brothers and sisters, we do when we look at what Jesus is teaching, and we go and take his verses for our own personal needs. We're acting like we just didn't read his word, like his word is not telling us that only the righteous will enter. That only those who are, who are consistently standing, keeping in my word will enter. And yet now we're praying for something else. See, my brothers and sisters, we wonder why our prayers go unanswered. That could be the reason. James, matter of fact, James tells us this. Go to James chapter 4. James 4. Verse 3. James 4, 3. Look what James says about this. He says, you ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on what? your pleasures it's all about you You're, yes you are seeking yes you are knocking yes you are asking but it's about you it's just about your pleasures nothing to do with the kingdom of God nothing to do with his righteousness it's, it's just all about you. So he said, he said, that is the reason that your, your prayers is not being answered because it's, it's about you it has nothing to do with God or anything that he's calling you to do. It's, it's all about you. See, my brothers and sisters, we have to step our prayer game up. Because we may be aiming too low in our prayers. See, here's the question. Are you wasting your precious time and your precious breath asking and seeking and knocking for things with no eternal significance? You, you, you got to ask yourself, if you are doing it, then that means, my brothers and sisters, you are aiming too low. Are you constantly praying for the vain things when you could be praying for more of the Holy Spirit? See, my brothers and sisters, that's you. You're aiming way too low. Think about this. In Luke 11 or 13, when Jesus is teaching on prayer, he, he ends his teaching on prayer like this. He says, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now, if you are born again, believer, you have the Holy Spirit. But now you can be using your breath by saying, God, fill me more with your spirit. 
Fill me up with your Holy Spirit. You don't have to use your breath praying for food and clothing because he already said if you seek his kingdom, he's going to give you that. So now you can use your precious breath by saying, God, give me this. Move more of your spirit inside of me, Lord Jesus, so that I can be like you. Lord Jesus, give me a heart like yours so that I can love like you, Jesus. Lord, give me the meekness like you so that I can be meek like you, Jesus. God, give me the compassion like you. See, we can now pray for the righteousness, the righteous things that the people of the kingdom of God will possess. Now you can pray about those things. See, why are we wasting our breath asking and seeking for things that have no eternal significance and not the things concerning the kingdom of God? See, when he, when he says that God will give the Holy Spirit, he's saying pray big. If, if the Holy Spirit is up for granted, you can go ahead and just pray. You can get the Holy Spirit so you can pray for all of the other characteristics. You can pray for everything else. He said, the Holy Spirit. So how are you using your prayer time? How are you using your alone time? How are you using the, the time that you have on this earth? What are you persistently seeking? Is it the righteousness of the kingdom of God? Is it the things that Jesus is laying out for us or has laid out for us in the Sermon on the Mount that we've been going through? See, those are the things that we have to seek and ask. And those are the things that God will answer and definitely do. I, I think about 1 John 5 where he says this. He says, this is the confidence which we have before him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. My brothers and sisters, I can't speak when it comes to God's will. I can't speak about certain stuff. But the Sermon on the Mount, I can speak about his will in that. I can tell you that that is his will for you already. As far as who I'm going to marry, where I'm going to live, how I can't tell you God's will in that. But I know his will as it has been laid out in the Sermon on the Mount. And his will is that you will be hungering and thirsting for righteousness. His will is that you will be poor in spirit. His will is that you will be a peacemaker. These are all the beatitudes. That is his will. And John said that if we pray, pray according to his will, he hears us, meaning God will respond. That's the prayer that we need to be asking and seeking. Those are the things we need to look at. There's many other things. But he says, in God's will, I'm confident he will hear you and see you. And to even show us how... Uh, the, or to give us even more of an assurance that God will hear us when he comes to praying the things that are in the kingdom of God in his will. In our main text, back in Matthew 7, Jesus, he gives us a man-to-God comparison. That's what I call it. A man-to-God comparison. And anytime there's a man-to-God comparison, we know that God is going to be the winner, the victor here. And so he tells us in verse 9, he says, for what man is there among you who when his son asks for a loaf will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he will not give him a snake. If you then being evil, he said, if you being evil know how to give good gifts. And even if you back up in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew 5, 46, he talks about the tax collectors and how even they are nice and loving to those who they love and know. So he said, if, if you've been evil, if the tax collector in Matthew 5, 46 can do good, then do you not think me, the father who, who is perfect love, who is perfect compassion, who's the perfect father, do you not think that I'm going to give my children good gifts if they come to me? 
if the tax collector is doing it, the, the, the tax collector was the lowest in the first century, the tax collector is doing that, he's saying that, you think I'm not going to take care of you? When you, when you? when you pray according to my will, when you seek the things of the kingdom of God and his righteousness, do you not believe that God is going to hear you, my brothers and sisters? No, our Lord is using people as an example. He's showing us that you can come and that you must persistently come. I, I think about my daughter, Riley. When Riley comes up to me, she'll say, Daddy, give me a cookie. I don't hear her. Daddy, give me a cookie. I don't hear her. Then she's like this on my lap. Daddy, give me a cookie. She's knocking. I don't. Dad, then she, her voice goes, Daddy, give me a cookie. See, She's coming at me because I'm her father and she knows I have the ability to give her what she needs. And so she's persistently coming at me because she knows I am a good father. And that is what our Lord is teaching us here. That's why he gives us an example of a father with a son. A son is dependent upon the father. He said, you are dependent upon me, so come to me. Come to me, consistently seek my face, consistently ask, seek, and knock. Seek the things of my will. I'm going to hear you. I will answer. Romans 8.32 says, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Things relating to life and godliness. See, my brothers and sisters, we have to keep asking, persistently keep seeking, keep knocking. God is going to come through. The door will be open. And even in a broader context of salvation, we've talked about this before in the past, but for some of us, it took just one knock. One knock, you were at church. You got a track. And boom, the gospel became crystal clear. You've seen it in all of his glories. You fell in love with Jesus and you were in love with the lover of your soul. For others, it was major knocking. You were raised in a Christian home. You were going to youth group. You heard the gospel preach. It never made sense. It never clicked. And all of a sudden, that door just springs open and you see the gospel and all of his beauty. I think about our sister Karina who was here, a member of the church here. And she was sharing with me her testimony. And she talked about how before Christ, she was into all that new age stuff. The tarot cards and the crystal. And she's trying to seek and find God. But eventually she hears the gospel. And God opens up the floodgates and allows her to see Jesus. Allows her to see her sin. See, there's this persistence. There's this knocking that we all do. And there are some people that are very blessed, like John the Baptist and Nehemiah, where there was really no, I'm sorry, not Nehemiah, Jeremiah, where there was really no knocking for them. The Holy Spirit came to them inside of the womb and opened the door. They came out anointed, ready to go. But that's not been the case for all of us. The point that I'm trying to get you to see is that it is our responsibility to ask, seek, and knock. It is God's responsibility to open when he chooses your responsibility, my responsibility is to constantly seek and knock. God in his own timings will open the door. He will answer. He will move. But it's at his timing. But that does not negate you from constantly asking, seeking, and knocking. 
That is what our Lord shows us with prayer. You stay faithful and do what you're called to do. God will do what he's going to do in God's timing. You stay constantly seeking and knocking. And every time you are seeking and knocking, we seek with the same intensity as the day before. We seek with full faith and assurance that God is hearing me. The next day doesn't come to pass. I'm still knocking. I'm still seeking with the same intensity that I had before. Still trusting and still believing. And that is where the tension is. Because we can pray sometimes and we don't hear or we don't get a response from our prayer. Then the next day we begin to doubt in our prayers. But no, we come with the same intensity as if this is just my first time seeking and believing that God is going to hear my prayer. And he will in his timing. We seek. We knock, my brothers and sisters. Prayer is a tool. It's a way of reaching our Lord. And Jesus is showing us he wants us to consistently be in relationship, communing with God. Because that's what prayer is. It's communing with God. And he says, I want you to consistently be doing it with an intensity of knocking, asking, and seeking. Constantly communing with the Lord. That's what he's showing us. Constantly speaking to our God. Think on these things as we think about prayer. Let us pray. Heavenly Father and God, we thank you for your truth, for your word. Lord, we thank you for teaching us about prayer. God, the intensity, the persistency of it, Lord. We know that you will hear us in your time in God. Oh, Lord, we thank you for hearing all of the numerous prayers and coming through as you've done so many times, God. And I'm praying that my brother and sister here, Lord, as they leave this place, that they go higher in their intensity and their pursuit of you, praying for the righteousness of the kingdom of God, the characteristics of those of the kingdom of God, that it may come apart in their life, that they may be an example in this world. Oh, Lord, it is you we look forward to, to sing in all glory. God, thank you for this teaching, God. Thank you for your word that instructs us to pursue you, pursue your will with all that we have. In your son Jesus' name, amen.